Hello, everyone. A very quick one from me. It would be a massive help to us with our ambition to help as many recruiters as possible achieve their goals and also inspire the next generation to choose recruitment as a career if you hit that follow and subscribe button. If you're someone that prefers to learn in a visual way, we've also recently invested a lot in our video podcast experience. So in the show notes, you'll always be able to find the link to watch the video on our YouTube channel and make sure that you hit subscribe so you don't miss a future episode. Thank you so much for supporting the show and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Recruitment Mentors Podcast. I'm your host, Hisham Azuz, and on this week's episode, I was joined by Lauren Weinbank, who is it's fair to say that she's been dealt her fair share of adversity since starting her very own recruitment business in 2018 called Roma Black. Now, she actually started this business with her co-founder, However, along the way, it ended up being a journey that she didn't no longer want to go on. So Lauren found herself continuing the entrepreneurial journey on her own. And along the way, she uh, (laughs) brought into the world her two beautiful children. So found herself running a business on her own whilst being the mother of two children under two years old. Crazy. So in this conversation, we talk about how she navigated that, how she's made the business a success, how she's dealt with this adversity, how she's always developed a positive and optimistic mindset, what she would maybe do differently if she was to start the the journey again, and so much more. Enjoy the conversation. Lauren, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Thanks for making the trip. Wasn't too far, was it, for you? No, it's like an hour on the train, so nice. pretty Well, I easy. appreciate the effort uh, regardless. <laughs> Thank you. Obviously, second attempt this, isn't it? Yes, yeah. First time. Life got in the being, way. Yeah, life got in the way, but we're here now. So <laughs> really looking forward to breaking down this journey that you've been on. Yeah. So like I always like to, just really quickly, just to give everyone some immediate context, but since the end of 2018, you've been on an entrepreneurial journey, recruitment entrepreneurial journey, but before that, Correct me if I'm wrong, you worked in recruitment for like three and a half years, nearly four years, was that? Yeah, about three years, Yeah, roughly, yeah. Three years, then started your own recruitment business at the end of 2018 with your co-founder, and then a year and a couple of months from that starting point, around Feb 2020, obviously just before COVID, uh, your co-founder decided that it wasn't for her, Yeah, and you then obviously carried on this business and entrepreneurial journey by yourself. Along the way, you gained investment, which we're going to talk a bit about. But today, in terms of where you're on, what the business looks like, there's nine of you. And then last year, you did just under a million pounds in revenue. And we're today going to really focus on this business journey that you've been on, because I think it's fair to say it has not been a plain sailing ride, right? There's definitely been sort of obstacles along the way, which you've worked through and, and no doubt learned from. But let's start with the million pound question. We'd love to hear your thoughts on what characteristics and traits you believe make up a highly successful recruiter in in today's market. Let's start there. Yeah. Okay. So I think there's like several things. Firstly, it's the one that everyone says, right? Resilience. Mm. It's such a up and down industry that you just have to be able to take the lows of the highs. Mm -hmm. And then I think what's sort of really important is that like focus and discipline. 
a lot of the best recruiters are able to come in, you know, stay focused on the on the job type thing and actually be consistent. There's so many inconsistent recruiters out there. Mm. Um, and I think that comes down to being very process driven. So having, you know, your day plan mapped out and sort of sticking to that, having that sort of regimented ability, I guess. And I think that's so important so that you don't get those inconsistent. Obviously, sometimes it's industry, right? Mm. Uh, market conditions. But I do think a lot of the inconsistencies can be av- avoided purely by like being disciplined and focused on a, on a daily basis. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. That is... That is often missed in terms of like, I remember when I was in recruitment, no one ever sort of sat me down and said, this is what a good day plan might look like or how you can get better at prioritising tasks. And it is so important. And what I really like about thinking about that in terms of becoming a high performing recruiter is those things that you just said there are like entirely in your control. Yeah. Your process, your day plan. Obviously, you still have to do the thing and you have to perform, but there's a lot of things in recruitment that you can't control. But being process driven, being disciplined, being focused is absolutely something that you can control. On that then, just just curious really quickly, anything that you've done recently, either yourself or with your team that you think has enabled Lauren to be better at being focused, disciplined, out of, out of interest? I think another thing that it does take, I think, to be successful is a long-term mindset in recruitment Mm. because you know that first sort of year you work your hardest for the least amount of money and I think if you can get your head around that and you can just focus on relationship building I think that's something we've heavily focused on is actually it might not be right now it might be six months year time Mm. you know two years time like those relationships are key because you're always going to need new clients right so I think that's a something people massively like underrate if you like you know mm. they they look for the quick wins when actually I think if you have that long-term thinking it can massively change the game yeah I mean I definitely agree I sat down a common I don't know how you feel about this and it might have been your approach during COVID but a really common I sat down with a lady called B who is a contract recruiter and we're talking about how she hit some of her achievements and a really common sentence I've heard a lot of people say now in line with this is during COVID, all I did was speak to candidates, build relationships, and that's all I was focused on. And then when things start to open up or when things start to get back to some sort of normality, they would then go back to the people that they actually spoke to or did try and help them when no one else was trying to help them. So I don't know like if you've experienced that, but I've heard that so much. Like all I did was try to help speak to people, build relationships. And then at some point I have had those, a lot of those experiences where they've gone, Look, Lauren, I wanted to give you a call because do you remember when you put on that webinar around how to stand out when applying for a job? Is there any way that you can help me as I'm hiring for my team now? Yeah, I think that happens all the time. Mm. You know, when you give value for free, it does come back around. Mm. And when I look back now to when we, like, you know, with my co-founder, we first set out, I think we were naive, you know, because you then go from a secure salary, you know, decent, consistent commission to you know, nothing until mm. the deals come rolling in and you, you almost in sort of like fight or flight mode a bit. Mm. And I completely changed my approach from that long term thinking. I always, I'd had that from day dot starting in recruitment and that changed. So when I look back of hindsight now, that's one of the biggest mistakes I think that mm. I made sort of early on. I'm so glad I managed to pull it so back. back to, yeah. So ju- just quickly then, just to just focus on this, because I think it'd be helpful. Like, 
what does because I'm sure you help your team with this now and I asked someone else this but I think it's helpful because when you're like in it mm -hmm. you can't see the actions you're doing today that could be sort of helping you in six 12 months time it's hard to see that when you're in it right because yeah. you might have your manager going Lauren we haven't booked in any uh, interviews this week you've got putting pressure on yourself you've got pressures of the business that you work for so what are some of the things that you look for or are the lagging indicators that you really focus on that gives you confidence or gives your team confidence that no you know what if we keep doing this there's a very good chance that it will help us in the long run rather than maybe just the immediate things that we need to be seeing that can cause more of that short term yeah i don't know if there's anything that you help your team sort of really sort of make sure they're aware of and look at that gives them confidence that what they are doing is going to help them in the future because sometimes that can be hard to see yeah i think it's a sort of mixture of approaches in terms of that relationship building whether it be candidates clients and to look at the value you're getting from the conversations you're having mm. and i think if you can see that someone is putting in the effort and they're having really good conversations it just so happens you know that that client's not hiring right now but you know the conversation's been so positive that when they are mm. you're going to stand a chance and i think you can see that in people when you can we track certain noteworthy conversations you know positive sort of conversations on linkedin that helps to see someone's output and the passion they have for relationship building and sort of how successful based on the outcomes of their conversations they're having because that's all you're doing when you first start in recruitment and I do have like trainees you know mm. so people that haven't ever you know done recruitment before so you have to start with the small wins you know you still track all the other KPIs but you're not going to have them book in so many interviews in their first couple of weeks because that's really for them to start to build relationships for the long term. Yeah, noteworthy conversations are like that. So if I was to sit down with you and your co-founder then at the beginning of this journey and I said, right, ladies, starting a recruitment business, tell me what you want this business to be. What are your big plans for the business? Like, How would you talk about the business in terms of what it would look like in how many periods of time? What, what were the ambitions if I was to be sitting in front of you in 2018 and said, tell me about your business. What is yeah. it going to look like? What were the ambitions? I think this is where we went wrong. Um, so I'm a really ambitious person. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's almost like it's never, and that's not going to happen. It's just going to look a, a when, like mm. a, a matter of time type thing, because I'm just very driven and I've always been like that. Whereas I think we were just on very different paths. Obviously, I don't know if we'll touch on this mm. later on, but giving context to that sort of my story, if you like, soon after setting up the business I fell pregnant mm. so automatically we are on very different journeys <laughs> and so I think for me I always saw the, the business being like bigger than me mm. I didn't want to have to be a, a slave to my business because I knew I was going to have children I knew I wanted to have the flexibility the freedom which is why I set up the business in the first place and I think maybe that's where you know, it didn't work out for us as mm. two co-founders, you know, and why she maybe left was just because for her, she couldn't deal with the uncertainty and probably the fact that we were on, you know, different paths. Yeah. But I always, I think, had that, although I didn't have that long-term mindset when it came to like getting clients at the very beginning, I still had it in terms of like where I saw the business. Yeah. I'm a risk taker. 
So for me, I was like, let's, in, you know, let's get a database, let's mm. invest in job boards, LinkedIn. And we were just very different in those mm. regards. And so I think you, you never know these things when you're starting out. You know, you can be friends, you can be colleagues for God knows how many years. But until you work, you know, together under that severe pressure, mm. because you do have no money, you know, you have to build something from scratch that's when sort of the cracks start to show, I think. And I think it's hard. I don't even know if you could identify it. Just one of those things, you know? Mm. Timing sometimes is everything and our timing just wasn't, wasn't right. So just on this, I know we're very conscious here of like, we want, we don't want to speak for people, right? But I think we were, we're talking about this from the perspective of like what you've learned and what other yeah. people can learn, right? So I guess what you're sharing there, yeah, sharing there is like, yeah, maybe... Yeah, we weren't on the same pages. And maybe if I asked a question to you and your co-founder, you might have got different answers, right? Which yeah. is maybe why it didn't quite work out. But I guess from that then, looking back or for other people listening that do someday want to start a business and don't want to do it on their own, they do want to start with a co-founder. Is there anything sort of, I guess, any advice around there in terms of like what you would have maybe done differently in terms of would you, how would you have more intentionally understood each other on like what you did want because it sounds like maybe you didn't do enough of that or I don't know yeah I think it's really hard to to pinpoint because there were mm. several factors right yeah all I knew is that that's why I set up the business you know that was quite clear from from the outset that that was my plan to start a family and have that flexibility have that freedom to leave a secure job where I was being elevated you know I was in a good position so I think just those really transparent conversations but like often because things mm. change so not just at the beginning where mm. you're all in agreement because it's all fun and exciting because you're just about to start this journey mm. but actually throughout make sure you've got that clear communication so that you're on the same page yeah love that so just be i think that's the thing just be a lot more intentional about it don't put yeah business the version one business plan together and then like never talk about it again and yeah. make sure yeah okay so basically correct me if i'm wrong here but when then you obviously had the conversation with your co-founder this was around feb 2020 right yeah and this is also, when did you fall pregnant with your first child? Good question. Well, like, where, Sep okay, when September. Were they born? Okay. September 2018. Yeah, September 2018. Okay. So when you had this conversation, how did you feel? Take me back to that conversation because you must have been like... What, that, that like, I was pregnant? No, no. <laughs> sorry. As in like when your co-founder, I don't know how exactly how it happened, but like oh, when okay, yeah, you yeah, was yeah. like, okay... Yeah, look, Lauren, I think I'm, I'm not sure this is working out for me. And by this point, you've got another human in, in the world. Like, yeah, how did you feel then when you obviously realised and learnt that, oh, okay, I'm, I'm going to be uh, on this journey on my, on my own? This podcast is proudly sponsored by Sourcebreaker. And today I wanted to talk to you about sales opportunities and how Sourcebreaker can help. Because are you tired of the competition beating you to new sales opportunities? Do you want to make more placements from your existing resources? Who doesn't? Transform the way you work with Sourcebreaker. Revolutionizing recruitment with AI-powered technology, Sourcebreaker powers you with laser-accurate search results across all your sourcing platforms to build candidate pools filled with highly qualified individuals, all from one place, not from multiple tabs in different places. You will get perfect fit opportunities automatically 
tracking relevant vacancies and events in your market niche in real time and pre-built automations that constantly scope your markets to deliver high quality results at speeds your competitors simply can't match. Head over to sourcebreaker.com for more information. Back to the episode. Yeah, so at that point, so I had my little boy mm. in the April. We're now the following year in the February, right? And I'm pregnant with my little girl. He's due in the July. Yeah. <laughs> so the cracks had already started to show, right? So it was more of a, a mutual. Okay. I didn't want it for her either, you know, because it wasn't right. It wasn't the right timing. Mm. Didn't bring out the best in her. And you want everyone to be happy, don't you? You want yeah. sort of peace and entrepreneur journey isn't for everyone mm. you know it really does come with its challenges so my initial reaction was almost like shit <laughs> you know <laughs> I'm now gonna have two kids and a business that I've got to run on my own you know how am I gonna do it but also it was almost like I knew I would get through it if that makes sense I had that sort of self-belief so it was a bit of excitement of like okay what does this next chapter look like for me mm. on my own or uh, you know whatever pathway was going to be mm. in front of me what I love about this is a lot of people wouldn't react like that so like you just curious like where have you developed this mindset has it been over time like can you pinpoint it anywhere where have you developed this mindset of being able to focus on the things that you can control, not sort of getting swept away with all the emotions of like fucking hell I've got. Yeah, yeah. now two children to take care of and make sure I can provide for them. How have you gone about developing this mindset of yours? Yeah, do you know what? I don't really know. I don't really know. I'm a really sort of calm, collected person. Mm. So I don't let a lot of things, like I get stressed, right? That's That's natural, but I don't let a lot of things get on top of me. And I'm just positive I'm optimistic so I always think it's going to work out it's you know this has happened for a reason it's going to work out my mum has always sort of drummed into me like don't let things that you can't control control affect your you, yeah. yeah yeah affect you control your your emotions because you can't change it mm. so if you can't change it why dwell on it but yeah I don't know where sort of that like I mean, if your mum was telling that, that, that definitely would have a factor. <laughs> yeah, it would. But at the same time, when I told them that I was going to set up the business, they were like, no, why? <laughs> you know, you've just got promoted and you, you're on a mm. really good sort of like upward trajectory there. Why would you do that? But I've just, I've just always had that sort of mm. like fire in me to, to do my own thing, which I guess is why I did. So what was the game plan then from sort of February time? So had your little girl in April, so two months. So I had her in had her in July. Oh, sorry, July. So that was July yeah. 2020. Yeah. So leading up to that then, what what was the game plan? Was like, right, let's just get some deals in. Or was this, I can't remember the, the timeline, but or was that like, bef did you get investment before you had your daughter or was it around that time? Or So I was, again, timing's everything. I was lucky in that some of the clients that I'd been sort of actively pursuing had come to fruition. So I managed to have, I think it was like a 50k month mm. in the March. And that was like just by yourself? Yeah. Let's go. So, first like proper month on your own, 50k yeah. month. Yeah. Cheers. So that sort of kept me going because I thought, mm. right, I'm going to, you know. I'll give you some good financial to have another baby. Like, yeah. <laughs> going to need some, like, I'm not going to be able to just like be recruiting five days a week. <laughs> so there was an opportunity that sort of presented itself for a company 
for me to go and do their internal recruitment, okay. sort of like head it up. But I knew that I didn't want to, you know, like abandon Roma Black. I still mm. very much believed in it, even given sort of the the situation I was in. And that conversation just evolved. I don't really know how we how we got there, but maybe they saw something in me and then I ended up getting investment, which enabled me to build a team. So I could actually have that sort of balance of being a mum mm. and my business still sort of running because, yeah, at that point in time, I wouldn't have been able to to juggle that. Really? No, not with a one-year-old and a newborn. I don't, don't think. <laughs> Trying to speak to candidates, you know, build a, a client base. Yeah, I don't think that would have been been doable. So this was, so let me know if this is all correct, right? So ju- just for people's context here. So, yeah, the so basically you raised 250 grand mm-hmm. and then they obviously have equity in, in your business. Mm-hmm. And then that enabled you to, yeah, hire two people and they started in September. Yeah, so I hired two that started in September, mm-hmm. both times with with both my kids, personal choice. I was, you know, back into it within mm-hmm. three months, sort of not full time, obviously, but yeah, sort of part time. And at that point, we then had a, a little office, just like the three of us. And so I'd sort of go in two days a week. Yeah, I think my little girl was like, 12 weeks or something at this wow. point. And I think even think she was that old to be fair. And uh, yeah, then come the sort of the next year, we hired more people mm. and we just sort of continued sort of that growth journey, I guess, from those first two hires. And then basically, and then the, the deal was basically ended up being 50-50 partners, right? Mm-hmm. So this was actually a client? No, it wasn't a client. It was someone that just wanted me to go and like be their head of recruitment if you like right, like okay. head up their recruitment function right and so that conversation they then took it to the founder mm. and said maybe this is a investment opportunity sure. for you yeah what do you think they saw in you then what do you like, think may- you maybe just my my like passion and drive and mm. you know the fact that <laughs> i did have two kids but i was still very much <laughs> you know like moving forward and i think maybe that work ethic mm. like, that's so important even when you come back to sort of successful traits of recruiters work ethic is huge Mm. when I look at my best recruiters they've got an exceptional work ethic so we had um an amazing lady called Hannah Ahmed on the podcast who was really sort of open and vulnerable with us and spoke about her journey with postnatal depression oh okay yeah and she had an unplanned pregnancy she has her own recruitment business Mm -hmm. the uh, pregnancy didn't quite go to plan in terms of didn't have a natural birth and these types of things. Mm-hmm. So like, let's just talk about this for a second. Cause you sort of, you talk about having two children with a bit of a smile on your face, a bit of a laugh, just yeah. like that would be so fucking difficult. So like, let's just talk about that for a second. Like how do you juggle things? What, what was the mindset? Cause I feel like, again, this comes back to your mindset of focusing, focusing on things you can control mm-hmm. Like, yeah, how, what was the thought process to go, you know what, I'm going to show up, I'm still going to achieve the things that I'm going to, and this isn't, yeah, going to be the reason why I can't achieve my goals. I don't know, like, what what was the thought process? Yeah, I just didn't see any barriers to entry. The fact that just because I'm a mum now, like, Mm. I can't run a successful business. And, you know, a lot of people, there were a lot of judgments, but ultimately, you know, I was on my own journey. Mm. Like, you do you, I'll do me, (laughs) you know. Um, So when you said judgment, what, what do you mean? Well, just like going back to work, you know, a lot right. of people take nine months off, a year off. I didn't have that luxury, you know, and actually that's, it brings me happiness. My children bring me happiness, but my work brings me happiness. So I didn't want to like abandon that. Mm. 
And I was just really lucky that, you know, I've got a really good support system around me, good grandparents. Um, Family's been really helpful. Yeah. So I had that sort of childcare support on the days I would go into the office to start to build out essentially the the business, you know, Mm. as as a small team. And then obviously now in today's world, we love talking about balance, right? Mm -hmm. I just think, I don't know how I feel. I almost feel like it's sort of unrealistic. I think it is important for you to be self-aware and understand like is sort of Lauren burning the wick at both ends and what can I do to make sure that I don't arrive at this destination of being like I'm absolutely fucked like obviously we don't want to get there Mm -hmm. but in terms of like yeah in those moments Lauren being like people going Lauren you haven't really got work-life balance and you're like well fucking hell how how can I do that you know what I mean like one minute I'm feeding the kids and they're reliant on me and then I'm trying to do deals and build relationships with clients so how did you approach that that balance element then like how would you approach that in terms of Lauren having the working entrepreneur hat on then having the mum hat on how did you balance it yeah so I honestly don't know how like I've got a friend she's got three girls under four wow and she still like recruits herself (laughs) for me again it comes back to I saw a bigger picture for myself where the business almost didn't need me to run Mm. and on the early days of you know the small team that didn't happen like balance I feel like it can be defined as like different things, mm. but I get what you're saying. You know, I don't believe there is true balance because if you're really excelling in one area in your life, something else is suffering as a consequence. Exactly, yeah. So the way I maintained balance was by having set days that I'd go in and I'd work and then days that I had my kids. But ultimately there were days when I'd be taking calls from my team or clients or, you know, and I haven't actually recruited myself now for maybe like two and a half years. Oh, really? So that enabled me to have the balance. And I now have a leadership team in place. So if I've got my days with the kids now, my phone doesn't ring. Mm. But it took a while to get there, you know? <laughs> so you can have the balance in terms of that home work-life split. Mm. But ultimately, if you if you want to be truly successful, those scales are going to tip. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Let's talk about how you got to that point because that, that's pretty... Like, I speak to business owners all the time and are of similar size to where you are now, nine people, sometimes even bigger. Mm-hmm. And the owner is still very much reliant on uh, and dependent on. So how have you... Like, talk me through how you've got to that point. Obviously, you said it was difficult to get there. Yeah. Obviously, it requires having people in the right seats, but... How did you intentionally get to that point of Lauren not being dependent on for Roma Black to to be successful and to be hitting the, the goals that you wanted to? Talk to us a bit about how you approached that. Yeah, so, yeah, like I said, it's been a bit of a journey, but ultimately I knew that was like my end goal mm. so that I was still, you know, needed in the business and I still added value to the business, but it would run smoothly, <laughs> you know, without me on the days that I needed it to run without me. And that's obviously then just evolved to the point where it is pretty self-sufficient now. I still work in the business. I still work on the business three days a week in terms of me physically in an office. Mm. But I work all the time because I love it. It Mm. doesn't feel like work. So if I'm sat there and I put the kids to bed and I'm doing a bit of business development or, you know, that's sort of really a key role that I still play very much in the business, new client attraction, things like that. I think the the journey was firstly stepping away from that day to day, which all I did was change my efforts from being focused on that sort of 360 to then just the business development. 
Mm. So it would almost just be like feeding my team, if you like. And also had 360 recruiters in the business who would bring on their own clients too. And I think then what's slowly happened is for me to hire the right people into the business who have the same mindset as me, are really aligned with where I want to take the business, who can, you know, help it to, to get to probably even where I can get it to. Mm. So what I've tried to do is build a team that are better than me to take their business to new levels. Love that. Just had um, Roger sat down here. We spoke, spoke a lot around leadership and how, um, I don't know sort of if you've had your own experiences of this, maybe at Roma Black or before, but obviously a lot of people find themselves in a sort of management leadership role simply because Lauren was a top performer, right? Yeah. And uh, for no fault of their own, I think a lot of the time, like a lot of this time, these people don't actually get much help or support on how can Lauren become not only a top performer, but a great leader. What's been your journey with, with leadership and sort of enabling to, and um, yeah, getting the best out of people. And yeah. then most importantly, for you to be self, um, the business to be self-sufficient, not reliant on you, these managers and leaders need to be great managers and leaders, right? Yeah. So how, how have you approached that for yourself? And then how have you enabled the team to be people that don't just tell people to do things, but coach people and, and get the best out of people. What's been your relationship with leadership? This podcast is proudly sponsored by Vincherry. Today, I want to talk to you about the power of the recruitment operating system. Disjointed tech systems are painful for growing recruitment companies. Too much admin, bad data, and no visibility. It's holding back recruitment organizations. Meet Vincherry. Vincherry is the creator of the recruitment operating system, a modern operating system for recruitment and staffing agencies worldwide. This natively integrated tech platform syncs data and workflows across recruitment agencies, front, middle, and back offices. Start off with a suite of modules, a core CRM, ATS, advanced reporting and analytics, video interviewing, and more. That's just their core product. Vincherry also works with a pre-integrated access products to expand your tech capabilities. Link up your recruitment websites powered by Volcanic or cover screening and pay and bill with the fast track integration. It's time to unite front, middle, and back offices on a single recruitment technology platform. Unleash growth without gravity. Let's go. Find out more on vincherry.io and because you listen to this podcast, you get a discount, check it out, enjoy the rest of the episode. Yeah, so sort of early on when I started in recruitment, I was, I guess, highlighted as someone they wanted to fast track to management. Mm. So I think I was actually the first person to ever skip every single like promotion, like senior lead, and I went straight to managing consultant. Looking back now, I feel like I probably didn't develop as a, recruiter as much because I was then thrown into being a recruiter but also being a manager Mm -hmm. still quite early on you know in my recruitment journey if you like and you just sort of learn don't you how to work with different people I don't even think it's like managing people it's like working with different people (laughs) Mm. um, and getting knowing how to get the best out of those individuals so I guess once I then had my own business and was you know hiring my own team I learned so many lessons you know along the way like no one gets it perfect first time round and I think it's about 
from observing, I guess, previous managers that maybe I've had not being like emotionally driven. So, you know, if like something goes wrong and then they're like taken out on the whole team, they've pulled everyone in, like it's an emotional reaction. So I've always put time in between anything. So if something does go wrong or something hasn't like gone to plan, someone's, you know, not performed or, you know, done something, just taking that time and delivering messages in the right way. Like we're all people, I really don't believe in sort of that old management approach where like if you don't hit your KPIs, you're like mm. dragged in or you know, like told off in front of other people. Like I'm just, as like I said, I'm a very calm person and I really like to coach people. I like to try and add value. I like to listen and help like develop individuals. Mm. You know, have I got it wrong hiring certain people along the road? Absolutely. Like I'd be surprised if anyone didn't. But I have got to a point now where I've got a really strong team that are super passionate, really respectful. We just work really well together. And I've then tried to sort of instill those same sort of characteristics, I guess, into my leadership team. We're all very different, but ultimately you just want to get the best out of people. And no one person is the same. So you need to bend, you know, to find out what their values are and what drives them. Because not everyone in recruitment is like driven by the same thing. Mm. That's something I've massively I've learned. Like not everyone is actually really driven by the money. Mm. Some of them are driven by the achievement of their target for the business that they're working in, as opposed to the money in their pocket. Have you got better at uncovering that? Do you really try and make sure you sort of dig into that on a consistent basis? Yeah, so we've actually just undergone like a strengths assessment, okay. which is really, really valuable. I'd done it myself and thought, yeah, this would be incredible to do as a team. So we looked at our individual strengths and then our strengths as a collective. Nice. And it really sort of highlights people's true values and like drivers and why they are the way they are. You know, why maybe some are really process driven, why some are more driven by like competition, um, which I think helps then you effectively coach the mm. people that you have in your business and, and get the best out of them. So what, how does that work? And there's like a series of questions or? Yeah, it's a series of questions at a time. So you almost have to go with like your like gut, gut Yeah, encourage you, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then it produces a report with like your top five strengths. Okay. So what, what would be like an example of a strength? What sort of things could so it? So like my number one strength, you're going to ask me like, don't ask me all five because. Okay, no, no, just give me the top one. <laughs> my number one strength is futuristic. Okay, um, that makes sense. Which means if that I, yeah, continuously sort of look to the future, but sort of bring others on Visionary. that journey yeah mm, love that so I think this would be like I saw that this might have been part of it I don't know but I saw that you invested in a career coach yep best decision you've ever made yeah one of yeah talk to me about that <laughs> so I'm currently on my second coach okay so first one was really to help me get to the point where the business was self-sustained like man you know it was literally running without me and so processes systems you know mm. the right people and that was transformative and then I've recently just started coaching with a new coach that will help me more as a leader mm. and what what does that relationship look like are you is it like a weekly thing is it a monthly thing are you monthly but that's that's literally brand new really yeah why did you end up going down that path? I'll proper write that I think that's that's brilliant because a lot really of people don't big on self-development and I mm. think one of the biggest things and learning curves is self-awareness mm, yeah. and I like to think I'm I'm pretty self-aware <laughs> so if someone said something to me I'd probably go 
oh yeah, do you know what? I do do that. Mm. But some people don't have that self-awareness. And so I think through sort of self-development, you get to sort of unpick a lot of things to find out. And that's why I love that strengths assessment. Like, why am I the way I am type Mm. thing? Why are these my leading strengths? And it's just so interesting because apparently people that sort of do work that leans into their strengths are way happier, way more fulfilled. And when I looked at my strengths, recruitment is so aligned to Mm. to what my strengths are. So yeah, I'd urge anyone to take that assessment because it's really valuable. How did you go about finding the right coach? Because you get peppered, don't you? And like, there's so many coaches now. Like I've been, I sort of said to them to like stop calling because it wasn't the right time. But like, I've been getting calls from like this action coach and they're offering free coaching sessions. And it's like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It can be a bit of a, it can yeah. be a bit of a black hole. Yeah. Did you get recommended? How yeah. did that happen? So I think there's so many coaches out there now, isn't there? Yeah. Especially sort of like on LinkedIn. But I'm more driven by... So the reason that I went with my first coach was because I could see that she'd built a business. Also had had, you know, two children and built a business with zero investment, which is like incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And the business completely run without her in it. Um, And I think for me to try and create if that balance exists to get to that point so that I really didn't feel like I was being constantly torn or at one point, you know, something was the, the scales were sort of tipped. I wanted to dig deeper to what can I do? What can I, what processes or systems can I implement? So the business runs, you know, smoother with or without me. And in this case, I went with without me, Mm. even though I'm still very much in the business, right? But it was just like... Yeah, you're making it not dependent on you. Yes, yeah. So it sounds like you found someone that resonated with you. Yeah. That you could see some of yourself in. Yeah. That maybe are like a couple of steps ahead Mm -hmm. than like where you are today. Yeah. So yeah, yeah that, that's a quite good, like, a, I think, yeah, that's, if I, like, I'm definitely open to investing in a coach and these things and that they're the sort of things that I'd look for. Cause yeah. I think it always helps that if you're speaking to someone that you think has been in your shoes, I don't know, it just feels like what you're able to get access to is just going to be a lot more credible. Yeah. And it's ultimately, it's, it, I think you need to align it with your goals. So mm. that was one of my goals. I could see someone that had achieved what I wanted to achieve that their, her business ran, you know, yeah. without her in it. Again, she still was sort of working in it to a, you know, small degree, if you like. So I would never coach with someone that's approached me. Like I'm way more, I don't know, I'm like, I really think things through before I do them, before I act. So only if something really sort of resonates with me, will I... Right. then approach someone to be like, do you know what, that feels like the right natural step for my own self-development. And the current coach, I actually met one of the ladies that works for this coaching company at the Women in Business and Tech event. Okay. And they're exceptional. Like industry leaders within the tech space who have then gone on to their tagline is like enabling dreams. Nice. And one of their coaches I got introduced to and she, she's just incredible. Love that. Like, I can't even tell you. And she's coached all of the top, you know, industry leaders in all of the biggest companies at a global level. So for me, I thought to really take it to the next level, I want to be coached by someone who is mm. exceptional at, at leadership. And her questioning, like to get the best out of people, 
to ask clever questions to really unpack someone so that you can sort of get to the bottom of something if you like mm. she's like Been just brilliant great, yeah. yeah so just quickly because i think this will be helpful for people particularly the way that you're describing how much of uh like you said, obviously, multiple times that the business isn't reliant on you. So what have been some of like the game-changing processes that you've implemented then that you think has really enabled that? We've spoken about, obviously, making good hires, mm -hmm. having a leadership team. But what are there any, so, yeah, what sort of processes have you implemented, do you think, that have really enabled you to yeah, not be dependent on? Yeah. So I think it's several things. So even down to like the operations of the business, have someone running that. Right. So if there's you almost have to sit down and go, what would I be needed for right now? What could not happen unless I executed it? OK, it's a good starting point. Yeah. And that's basically what I did. And anything on that list, I then ensured there was a process system, you know, whatever it is in place so that things could happen without me physically having to sign anything off or, you know, so say when it comes to terms of business, like that's someone else now that that does that you know i don't i don't need to approve terms of business that's all dealt with with the leadership team and i guess the biggest sort of like difference in where i was maybe a year ago to where i am now maybe even six months to be fair was that on my days off with the kids i'd be getting phone calls oh just got off the phone with you know this you know blah 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 what do you think what do i need to do and so i've I've spent a lot of time coaching and developing certain members of my team to give them the confidence to make decisions. Mm. Because when it's not your business, and I can understand this, right? You don't want to make the wrong decision or, or do the wrong thing. Or if you've got a counter offer or, or whatever it is, everyone would come to me <laughs> um, to, you know, what would you do and everything else. And so I've just almost created layers so that I don't stop anything on the days that I'm not working. I don't stop anything from happening mm. if I'm not able to answer the phone, for example. So where do you even start with that then? Because like so many people will be in that position, I feel like, where they always get calls. Oh, Lauren, like, I just, like, I'm really sorry to bother you. Like, can you just help me with this? Yeah. Like, do you just initially start by communicating? I don't know. Like, how do you just even set start? boundaries? Yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. You have to set boundaries. Yeah, you have to set boundaries. And I'm really lucky, right, that I'm so transparent with my team. Mm. So it's not that I don't work hard. Because I'm always, like I say, I'm always working. And I think that that's one of the biggest things that people like perceive because people see what they want to see, don't they? And they don't see what happens behind closed doors is that, oh God, how, how hard can it be coming in two days a week? You know, and it's like, you have no idea. Like <laughs> I work all the time. Um, I'm just not in the office, right? And so it comes firstly by surrounding yourself with a team who respect you who respect those boundaries, who know you're doing absolutely everything to drive that business forward, you know, that you give value, you know, where it's needed. And ultimately, if someone really needed me, I'm going to answer the phone, mm, right? But unless it was like life or death, they they wouldn't call me now because they don't need to. So, yeah, I, th I think that you need the right people. You need that communication to begin with, to set boundaries. Look, these are the days that I'm... And, and it's probably most helpful to say like women that are, are trying to you know, like spend time with their kids, but also like keep their business afloat if they've got a team as well. And it's just having that sort of clear communication, setting the boundaries, right? These are the days that I'm with my kids. I want to give my all to them on the days that I'm with them. So 
unless there's this 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 scenario and you always have to start with that and then and start to me, yeah. yeah slowly come away from it and give them the confidence to deal with any situations so i've got one of your posts here so I think we've covered quite a lot of this, but if there's anything that maybe you want to add now, or whatever, it was around Roma Black turning four and you put, if you're starting your own business, here's what I wish someone had told me year one. We put, pick your team wisely. I think we've spoken a lot mm-hmm. about that. Know your value, take time to reflect and celebrate, trust the journey, stay in your lane. Don't be a slave to your business, which like you're saying, hire people better than you. Yeah. Anything else we'd add to that or are we pretty happy with that list? Oh, yeah. Do you know what? There's probably so many. <laughs> there's probably so many. <laughs> If long-term mindset's not on there, then keep mm. that long-term mindset because it's quite easy to, to come away from it, mm. especially if yeah, your jobs have dried up and you're starting to, the panic starts to set in. You start to, I think, come away from your, like, like have the core way that you work. So just trying to keep that long-term mindset and that positivity, that optimism. And also... I think if you do have a team, just really looking at your your culture and what you can do to always sort of positively influence that. Because there's a lot of women that don't go into certain industries because they feel like they're not going to get that balance. When actually my top performer works four days a week. If it's half term, she's still working. She doesn't have to take it as holiday, mm. right? She's still working and she just works around her kids. Like I don't have to worry. She's so like intrinsically driven that she's going to work her ass off. Mm. So a lot of companies, I think, just need to give that flexibility and they'll be surprised that some of their best workers will be women with kids. Yeah, fair. I want to ask you about that, clearly a passion of, of yours, but I, I think on that list, what I I don't know, from what I've got outside looking in, and I want to hear your take on it, like, like you've really built your brand, I feel like, on online or you've, you're definitely consistent. So surprised not to see building your brand on there because how much has building your brand impacted the business or what sort of positive effects have you seen from building your brand because you you are mm-hmm. pretty consistent with sharing content and building your brand on LinkedIn I'd say yeah do you know what that's probably that's a, that's a big one that's <laughs> that's missed and I really wish I was one of those people when I like mm. started Roma Black you'll never catch me posting on LinkedIn really? pictures of my kid yeah so what changed Honestly, that then? Because I'm, a, I'm quite a private person mm. and I think that I was so set in my ways with that that I swear to God, I wish if there's one thing that I'd have invested in that back then because everyone's on LinkedIn now. Everyone's building a personal brand. Back then they weren't. Mm. But it's one of those things, isn't it? Like What made you start hindsight. What changed that? I think just seeing the success stories that other people were posting about their personal brand and what doors had opened. Mm. And I can absolutely, I can test that now. Like it has opened doors for me. You know, when did you proper start, do you think? Probably, probably like a year ago. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. But inconsistently. Yeah. So I'd probably say the last sort of like six months, I've tried to be a lot you more consistent. Yeah. So what sort of doors have opened up for you then? What, what have been some of the positive stories that you've experienced? Just like even people that, send you messages, you know, that, that want advice and coaching to build their recruitment business, Mm. new clients, you know, just like new relationships Mm. on a global level. Uh, It's just, it is incredible what can come from a personal brand. And that's why if you look at any of my team, they're all over LinkedIn. They're all Mm. building personal brands because there's so much value in it. 
And I think some companies, especially if you maybe rewind like four years ago, would see that as a threat. You know, people are going to poach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you really have a great team and they're happy, then you don't have don't have to worry You're about it. You're always going to be vulnerable for your team. That's yeah. just part of the game. It's life, right? And if someone was presented with an exceptional opportunity that I can offer someone, I'd be annoyed if they didn't take it. Yeah, you want to, again, come back to focus on what you can control. You can focus yeah. on mm-hmm. creating a culture that people are really happy to be part of and they're being supported. They're the things that you can control. Yeah. And I think um, differentiating t- between like your company brand mm. and your personal brand, I probably spent a lot of time focusing on like the company brand and not my personal brand. Whereas now it's like the two... Work side by side, yeah. So if I was sitting in front of you right now and I was Lauren when I was going, nah, you won't be catching me and posting on LinkedIn because you might have <laughs> yeah. people in your business now that you have to really convert. Like, yeah, yeah. And there'll be people listening to this still, like shit scared of posting, don't want to post, don't want to mm-hmm. be someone that just adds another selfie to the news feed. Yeah. Talk, like how are you convincing me? What's your advice to me or what things would you talk to me about as to like why you think it's worth my time as a recruiter in today's market? Yeah, I think... The biggest thing is we're so society and like Instagram, everyone's driven by likes or Mm. comments. And I think if you can get your head around, look, I might post something and it might get one like, Mm -hmm. but ultimately it only needs to get that one like and it's reached, you know, even at a really low scale, a hundred people. Well, one of those a hundred people might be a client that's hiring that's just seen your post. So I think it's a like... Like exceptional opportunity for recruiters to position themselves as an industry expert if they are you know connect with candidates potential clients because that's where like everyone is Mm. and cold calling has its place right but sometimes it's a long-winded way of trying to get through to someone there's so many other avenues by using LinkedIn where you can reach a a wider audience Mm. so I think it's definitely worth people's time and it's just getting over the fact that, okay, it's going to take me a while. It's like when like you first got Facebook or something or first got Instagram and you get that one like on your on your picture. Mm. Like it can only go up. It can only grow from here. So just have that kind of mindset. Like can only build. Got to start somewhere. Mm. Even, you know, the biggest content creators on LinkedIn would have started somewhere. Yeah. And I know this sort of stat came out today, but I know you said it is a lot more competitive than it is, Mm -hmm. but still what, uh, there's a stat there that people love people saying, which is like 2% of LinkedIn users only post weekly or whatever. So I don't, I feel like that's, that stat has been around long enough now where I feel like it's got to be more than (laughs) 2%. But I do still think, maybe 20. (laughs) Yeah. I, I do still think like, I couldn't agree with you more. Like recruitment is competitive. Mm hmm. And it's like, for me, it's just more about giving yourself more more ways to connect with people. And yeah. at the end of the day, like, we're all human. And yes, it's B2B. But for me, it's, it's human to human, really. And if you have another way to showcase who you are, what you're about, but like you said, most importantly, showcase your credibility and what you know about the market and these types of things, it's only going to help the rest of your activity if that's in mailing, if that's dropping people a message, if that's calling people, if that's emailing people, yeah. it, it, for me, it's just an it's just an absolute no-brainer. It has to be non-negotiable now. Yeah, and it puts a face to a name, doesn't it? And it mm. almost like we are all human, and it gives that human element, like for people to exactly. see 
your achievements or, mm. you know, what drives you or, and, you know, that's so funny about that stat because I have a lot of, you know, even like clients that I don't work with them anymore, right? My team do. And I still talk to them and they'll message, oh, I just love following your journey. <laughs> But they wouldn't have liked, like, wouldn't have noticed that they liked my lurkers, post. Yeah. Or, do you yeah, know what I mean? Crazy. Like, you never know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's only like lurkers on there, you know. I mm. actually spoke to a, a lady the other day and she's like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm a lurker on here. <laughs> I, was like, I just I, love being nosy. <laughs> I was like, I love that. Like, I love the mm. honesty. But it is true. There are probably so many people that just mm. watch, you know, from afar. They never post, but they're, but they're there and they can see anything. And it only takes for your post to just trigger timing as everything in recruitment. So, why not get out there every day? It's like, doesn't take a lot of time. For sure. So look, as you come to the end here, then something that I know you're passionate about, you've mentioned it a few times, female leaders, inspiring the future female leaders. How can we create more female recruitment leaders? Like talk, talk to me about that, your sort of thought process on that, your mindset towards that. Yeah. I think the no brainer is what I touched on earlier is to give women more flexibility so they don't feel like they have to choose between like between their career and like and having a family family. yeah Yeah. because for me when I was thinking right you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna set up on my own there was like it was very sort of male dominant in terms of the managers and directors and so it was very much like oh you don't need to have kids yet you know (laughs) have them in your 30s like you know you've got good thing going on here and so I saw those signs very early and I thought if I'm gonna have true flexibility and freedom I'm gonna have to set up on my own Mm. which is what I did so if people can give women the platform and not see oh what if their kids are sick or so what if they are Mm. you know they're still gonna work their ass off you know that I do feel like and I I can't speak for everyone right but (laughs) women do work exceptionally hard and they're very good at multitasking. They're very good at time management. So they don't need to be physically visible five days a week in the office because they're probably still outperform people that are, you know, first ones in, last ones out Mm. because they're just smarter with their time. And yeah, so I think if we can educate and create more flexibility for women, then more women will get to leadership because they'll enter markets that you know has the the platform for them to to thrive and actually do their best work Mm. yeah it's hard isn't it because i always sort of think of this um saying or quote whatever is like you you can't be what you can't see Mm -hmm. and it's like if you're a female right now in a recruitment business and you know deep down you're really on a family and there's no one at director or whatever that has a family and they've Mm -hmm. had both you, like, how are you not going to think that it's not possible or that you are going to have to sacrifice your career ambitions for your family? Yeah. Is it just more about then, do you think, like, just, yeah, a bit having the, the courage to have the conversation? And, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard, right? Because, look, you're a business owner now. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest, if you interview someone and they go, yeah, I really want a family, there's no way you're not going to think about that. Do you know what I mean? In terms of, like, okay, so she could work for us for a bit, then she's on maternity leave. Yeah. It's hard, right? Because it's, like, even speaking to my partner about now, we, we definitely want to have a family and it's fucking hard. Like, how do you approach it? Like, do I tell them I want to have a family? I don't want them to think that I'm going to work yeah. there for a couple of months and then I'm going to be having a child and then I'm on maternity. It's hard, isn't it? Yeah. It's to have the courage from a male standpoint, 
to talk about it and go, no, no, we will support you. For a woman to go, I do really want a family and own that without them not thinking, oh, what are they going to think? Are they going to think I'm not? It's hard, isn't it? Yeah, and it is. And I think it's a societal mindset shift. Mm. You know, it's not something that's ever going to change overnight because some people are incredibly set in their ways of, oh, you know, we're going to train her up and she's, you know, and then she's going to go off. Yeah. But, well, she'll be back. <laughs> you, you know, if, if you create that culture and you create the opportunity where she can have that flexible working, she'll be back. If mm. you don't, she won't because it's not feasible. So in order to have that representation in leadership, females with families, you know, men with families that are maybe more of a caregiver type thing than the female, sometimes you get that, then it's going to start with those small changes further down to give that flexibility so people can actually get there. And just curious, before we come to the end here, just super curious, I don't know what you've seen, there might have been things that you've looked at with your recent uh, business around female leadership and stuff. What is like a dire maternity cover or support? Like what is absolutely terrible? I don't know. I can't really tell you because, like, I didn't have, like, I worked for myself, you right? So I one, didn't yeah. have a maternity cover or but, support. Yeah. 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 And I went straight back to work. And that's personal choice. But I think that it's a real tricky one because when you look at, you know, startup companies, they can't offer what the Facebooks exactly. can offer. But ultimately, you have to know that when you're selecting your employer. That does fall on on the female, right? And I think it's then about going, okay, we know we want to have a baby, so let's start saving if my company don't have the best maternity policy because they're a, they're a startup or they're a small business. And yeah, I think that that's more of a consideration because it's going to take a long time until there's... And, and obviously there's the changes with childcare yeah what was that I, I tried in. to fully understand that um so i don't think it's till 2025 but right now it's you get 30 hours and what they're trying to do is basically create more funding so it's like 30 hours a week so basically women can get back into work because the biggest is the cost of childcare. yeah so like my childcare bill so that's a good thing ridiculous. right Oh, it's a massively positive thing yeah. because it means that more women can return to work because what they're faced with is, well, I could go to work, but it just clears my childcare bill. So I might as well might stay as at well home. Stay at home, yeah. yeah. So hopefully that will see a natural shift for more females. At least having the choice or more options yeah, yeah. rather than just thinking like you just said, like that isn't very empowering, is it? To be like, no. I could either stay at home and yeah. like, I get covered or yeah. I go to work and I don't see my kids and I'll just get paid just as much. Like, yeah, it all goes on childcare. It, all, to, it all goes on childcare. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah cause I, I did think, see that. I think that's what's so great about recruitment is if you can have that flexibility, you have that OTE. Mm. So it's almost like even if you do have childcare costs you've got those on-top earnings to mm. really sort of make it worth it especially if you then get the flexibility so that if your you know child's ill or it's half term or whatever you're not having to use holiday for the fact that your child's not very well so look let's end it then you're a futurist talk to us about what you're excited I'm a futurist is that, yeah. isn't that what <laughs> yeah, you said yeah. right yeah yeah uh i thought i was made that word up then <laughs> uh that's one of your strengths so what are you excited about? What does the rest of this year look like? What have you got top of mind? Yes, yeah, so I'm excited to just continue to build Roma Black. You know, we've really got 
ambitious plans in terms of global client base and got a really solid team. So I'm just incredibly excited to continue to sort of build that out and become even more of a, a solid team, invest more in the people. And then also with my other business, Tribe, which is all about empowering females in tech through sort of coaching, mentoring, online resources, community that launched yesterday. Nice. So just excited to, to go on that journey as well. Love it. Well, look, Lauren, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Absolutely love your optimism. Thanks for having Your positive me. mindset. I think you've been on a fantastic journey and uh, yeah, like we'll inspire a lot of people. I just love the fact that, yeah, had plenty of obstacles along the way, but pushed on, learned from them. Yeah. And yeah, I'm not surprised that you're excited with where you're going. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I hope there were plenty of golden nuggets for you to take away. As you'll know, I'm your host here of the Recruitment Mentors podcast, but I'm also the founder of Recruitment Mentors. We're a online subscription-based learning and education platform. We're on a mission to help thousands of recruiters achieve their professional goals and successfully progress their careers through modern and engaging online learning. If you're a recruitment business owner listening to this, there's a good chance that you value self-development, personal development. You're trying to develop a culture of continuous improvement. But we've partnered with a number of grown recruitment companies who were struggling to understand how they can invest more in their people, how they can upskill them more quickly without spending more time, without having to spend thousands of pounds of external trainers. And we've ended up being a really great fit, modern fit for recruitment teams. We can ultimately help you get more out of your teams by giving your people access to modern and engaging online learning, which they can access on demand. The thing that's really cool about what we're doing at Recruitment Mentors is that all of the people that your teams are able to learn from and the people that are delivering the learning content are people that are in role right now. They're billing, they're actively facing the challenges that your teams are, and a lot of the time they're amongst the top performers within their companies, which means your teams are going to be way more confident to learn and spend time on their learning when they know they're learning from people that are doing it right now, have been there and done it. There's nothing worse than feeling like training is not relevant and not current. The best place to find out more about Recruitment Mentors and if we can help you accelerate your team's performance is uh, send me a message on LinkedIn, connect with me on LinkedIn directly, and I'd love to connect with you and, and find out if we can help you get more out of your people.